what keeps me wanting to do this and that keeps me inspired and hopeful for a better future is the beautiful social togetherness in the act of cleaning the ocean and all the different people you meet from, yeah, different age groups, different backgrounds, different jobs, different, um, I guess, reasons for participation, uh, participating in the cleanup. Welcome to Stories for the Future, a podcast on a mission to get you excited and optimistic about the huge challenges and changes we are facing on this beautiful planet called Earth. My name is Veslemö Klavnesberge, and in this season, I want you to get into action. We all have special superpowers, and we are all needed to get us back on track for a great future. So please join me in my search for superheroes with the superpowers. And if you at some point think that, hmm, I could have done this, then go out and do it. Make that connection, write that email, start that company. With almost 8 billion superheroes on this planet, there's no way we couldn't make it. So let's start. It's game on. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Stories for the Future. Today's guest really, really impresses me. She is 25 years old and the youngest guest I've had on this podcast, so far at least. But she is so wise, so reflective and she has this agency, I think. This awareness that what she does and how she acts really matters. Anushka Nurbi is the deputy chair of the organization Fjord Cleanup, which is the reason why we got in contact in the first place. She has a background in international environment and development studies. She works for Doctors Without Borders. She's a scuba diver and an ocean lover. She is really passionate about the environment, as you will soon understand, but also areas like political ecology, gender, international development, and Middle Eastern history and politics. Nothing less. As I will share in the conversation, we did this recording twice because of some, some sound issues. And I'm so grateful that Anushka didn't think twice about having to do it all over again. So there are no big sound issues this time, but if you at some point hear some background noise, it is actually the founder of your cleanup and Anushka's boyfriend you hear. At some point, he's also helping us establishing some facts. So in a way, we can say that he's also a small, small part of this episode. And the sounds just adds a little extra real life feeling, I think. So let's just get to the point. Here's Anushka Nurbi. So, hello, Anushka. Again, I would have to say, welcome <laughs> to Stories for the Future. Thank you so much. I, yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, and we did this one time before because uh, we we had this great talk uh, and recording, and then I discovered afterwards that there was an echo on the entire recording. So now we're doing it again. 
But uh, I'm looking forward to talk uh, talk to you once one more time. So mm-hmm. this is good. And Likewise. thank you so much for taking the time. Of course, of course. I mean, it's uh, it's very inspiring to talk to you. So it's just a pleasure to be able to talk even more with you. I discovered you actually uh, on Instagram, I think, because of an initiative that you are involved with, uh, which is Fjord Cleanup. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we have to talk a lot about that. But before we start uh, going into to this and everything else that you're doing, who are you? Like the basics. <laughs> well, um, I am a female, 25 years old, um, grew up in Moss before I moved to Qatar, which is in the Middle East, and then moved back to Norway. And uh, yeah, this was all during school, and then I started studying, and then I started working, and yeah, quite the normal trajectory uh, in that sense. Uh, but yeah, yeah I. Mm? We have to just uh, because this was this was kind of a surprise moment in the last recording we had because I discovered by coincidence that you had lived in Qatar, and I also lived in Qatar, but at a very different time than than you did and the funny thing is that even though i was there in the like the 70s and the 80s uh, and you were there in 2009 till 2012 i think yeah i was actually down there at the same time as you because i was visiting my parents who Mm. was uh, living there for a second period so that was quite funny we could have bumped into each other on the beach we, we probably <laughs> might have, or maybe at Albanosh or the school or yeah, in the, yeah. In the yeah. desert, something, something. It's a, But it's quite interesting. And I mean, for you, who's been there quite a few years ago and then coming back, you probably saw yeah. the vast change in the whole infrastructure of the country, like the growth of the economy and all the big fancy cars say, I mean, yeah, they probably had a lot of that still when you were living there, but yeah, the changes that's happened, it's, it's massive. It's really, really massive. And that's, uh, I think, um, I was 13 until I was 16 is the time when I was living in, uh, Qatar. And, uh, I mean, it's a controversial country in, in many, in many ways. Um, but mm. you really got to see, uh, yeah, it was an eye opener to me uh, when it comes to the environment because uh, it was a very different yeah. culture when it came to, for example, recycling. Uh, I mean, Norway has a very strong culture for recycling uh, waste materials. Like we put plastic here and then we put paper here and then we put glass and metals here. It all goes in bags and then it goes in the trash bin. I mean, it's a strong culture for it, but yeah, things still end end up outside the bin. But it was, uh, I just remember in Qatar, I would see uh, people just sitting in the car and they just threw plastic bottles at the car window or whatever. And it was a, a lot of trash and, a very beautiful mm. country and uh yeah that was an eye opener yeah. definitely and uh definitely a reason why i started engaging in environmental studies and yeah. the yeah and an environmental cause 
That was actually my next question now, because、uh, do you think that this upbringing and living in Qatar had something to to do with with the, the direction that you took afterwards? A hundred percent, a hundred percent, very much so.、Uh, not only like I mean, I I didn't travel a lot when I was younger. Um, so Qatar was really one of the first places that I visited that was, yeah, not Denmark or Sweden or something that was very familiar uh, culturally, um, and uh, I I had an amazing amazing time in Qatar, and I got to learn so much about myself and about the world and brought all these new perspectives of life、uh, to me,、uh, and uh, that definitely shaped my interest for. I mean, making the world a good place, and I could feel. I mean, it, it's a Muslim country.、Uh, it's in the Middle East.、Uh, I remember I kind of had to defend sometimes from, yeah, friends and family back in Norway, like、um, how it was like living there, because there was so many assumptions about、yeah. a Muslim country or about a country in the Middle East, or isn't it dangerous, or、uh, how is it to have blonde hair and blue eyes there? It must be very scary for you. You. Sh- you Promise me you'll never walk alone. And it's like, well, it's not like that. It's not like that.、No. Okay, it's amazing、yeah. people. They're so friendly. They're so、yes. uh, welcoming. And I mean, there's it's such a huge spectrum of those experiences. It's not that black and white. So、uh, that was a big eye opener、uh, to me. And、um, yeah. I got interested in learning more about the world and culture and acceptance of differences、uh, in that sense,、uh, and I also saw a different、uh, consumerist lifestyle.、Uh, even though I'd say that Norway has a very consumerist lifestyle、uh, in many ways as well, but um, yeah, uh, even more like the uh, a luxury lifestyle、uh, is more promoted, I'd say, in that、mm. sense, in very.、Uh, Yeah, overconsumption, yeah. just unnecessary goods, unnecessary、yeah. production, unnecessary CO two emissions, and etc.、Um, so yeah, that also caused an interest for the environment, and then I、mm. ended up studying international environment and development studies, which is integrating both the social aspects of being in this world and the ecological aspects of being、mm. in this world, and hopefully being able to keep being in this world. <laughs> So, so now you are your day job today. That is, what's that?、Uh, I work as an analyst in the emergency aid sector.、Uh, so,、uh, I work for、uh, the organization called Doctors Without Borders, or some people know it as Médecins Sans Frontières. I probably can't、yes. pronounce it correctly in French, even. But、uh, I work as an analyst. Good. <laughs> Do you speak French? <laughs> Ah no! Well, I had one year、uh, in、yeah. school, but、uh, no, not much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm,、uh, French is not my strongest、uh, language for sure. But yeah,、uh, my daytime job is、uh, in doctors' lab borders.、Um, so、um, the social aspect of、uh, making the world a better place, I feel, is very much、uh, fulfilled through engaging.、Uh, In my position in Doctors Without Borders,、uh, definitely. And then I have my 
hobby job, I'd say, uh, kind of on the side, which is yes. the fuel cleanup. <laughs> and there, the environmental perspective uh, is, uh, yeah. Yes, that's see. very good, actually. You have this uh, social part at work, at your day job, and then you have the environmental part at your uh, hobby job. So tell us about fjord cleanup. Who mm. are you and wh what is it that you do? Um, so up until now, we've only been volunteers uh, running the organization and making it what it is uh, today. And uh, my part in that has been to um, facilitate the volunteer events. Um, so what we like the core of our activity is to bring people together to clean the ocean. Uh, whether that's the, yeah, it's a waterfront by walking, it's trash floating on the water by sup or kayaks, or it's diving and free diving. So actually going in the water down to the uh, seabed and pick all the litter that's kind of out of sight and out of mind. Um, and uh, we host uh, weekly events most of the year. Uh, outside the coldest winter months where it's a bit too dark to be able to do it on the mm -hmm. weekly uh, after work basis. But most of the time uh, we do uh, uh, a year uh, weekly cleanup. Uh, and yeah, people, anyone who wants to join can come and join us uh, in cleaning. And then, uh, I mean, it's a social fun activity. You get to go kayaking or something and just be out and have a good time and then we do a sauna together afterwards uh, which is thanks to one of our partners uh, also Fjord Spa so we get to use the sauna for free both uh, both as a nice little treat uh, and uh, act of gratitude towards all the volunteers who show up uh, but also to get warm because it gets a bit cold in the water <laughs> yeah. from time to time so my I part I think so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially now it's like, yeah, minus 10 degrees uh, in the air and two degrees in the water. You definitely need a sauna yeah. to warm up afterwards then. So, but my part um, in the organization, I mean, yeah, it's volunteer. It's a bit, you do what needs to be done to make it happen. Uh, but I have been mostly involved with uh, the logistics for the weekly cleanings uh, and, uh, Yeah, being present, helping people get organized uh, and uh, facilitating uh, especially the free diving and diving part, which uh, obviously uh, you can't breathe underwater. Uh, so you need some skills no. and some safety measures to be able to do it in a safe manner. So you can't just like, ah, here's an oxygen tank, just yeah. jump in the water. You need someone who's, no. <laughs> who's responsible and makes sure everyone is okay and that things are going according to the plan yeah. uh, and then it's a bit of the social media to yeah uh, tell people about the work we do and some grants and trying to get some money and funding uh, for what we do uh, so we can keep doing it and do it better yeah hmm. and you so people get to borrow equipment from you and they clean is that that's how it works right? that's how it works yeah so uh it's uh Uh, Mad Goats, which is a kayaking company uh, in Oslo. Mm. Uh, they have lots of kayaks, lots of subs. So they're one of our partners. So they actually lend us the gear for free. Because, I mean, we're a 
we're a non-profit organization. We don't have the money to buy kayaks mm. and subs and all this fancy gear to be able to uh, do it. Not at this stage anyways. So uh, Mad Goats are facilitating mm. us with gear so that the water is accessible. Uh, and for the free diving uh, equipment and the diving equipment, uh, most of it has actually been like, yeah, leftovers donated uh, from other organizations or like, yeah, some wetsuits from the, yeah, early 2000s, etc. And then we've uh, mm. been able to buy some equipment this year uh, through money uh, that we got through grants. Mm. So it's a bit, okay. it's a bit of everything. So, but your your mission your mission is to reduce, restore, and revitalize. Yeah. I read on your webpage. And mm. how is how is that going? Because that is that is more than just I'm doing it in air quotes. Uh, just uh, cleaning. It's also to try to restore and revitalize. Yeah. How is that going? And how this is not a pleasant question, I think. But how is it actually looking down there? <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's. Oh, it's mixed feelings because I mean it's obviously fun when you're able to see the physical things that you are able to get out of the water again. It's like oh, there's there's this, there's that, and we bring it up and like oh wow, we picked seventy kilos of marine litter today. It's like wow, but then it's like oh wow, I wish we didn't pick anything. I wish we didn't have to pick anything. And the thing is, like we clean in the same area every single week. And we've been doing that for so long now. And we still find chairs, electrical scooters, bikes, uh, the beer cans and tampons and yeah, whatever and anything. It's it's so much and it's in the same area. And it's uh, kind of like, I mean, manual labor to take out a piece of trash here and there from the ocean is not going to save the ocean. Uh, but it's it helps. Mm. Uh, and it's uh, something but then we also we want to tackle it higher up I mean we can't just fix the symptom of it like what is the reason that it ends up in the ocean uh, from the get-go I mean and there's many reasons for it uh, we need to reduce or consumption we need to do better packaging we need a better trash system in Oslo uh, where the seagulls and the birds and stuff just, yeah, aren't able to just rampage the trash can and make it float everywhere and then blow into the water. I mean, it's a waterfront city. So, uh, yeah, mm. uh, there, there's a lot of measures that needs to happen. And then it's also the very invisible littering of the ocean with agricultural runoff and the uh, mm. all the chemical pollution, uh, algae growth uh, and all of that and it's yeah you don't really see that much marine life it's uh it's kind of a sludgy sad uh ocean floor but then again uh there are yeah there are good projects out there we've been uh putting up lobster houses to create uh, a habitat for uh, i mean lobsters uh, most of all uh, but also any other marine life that would potentially want to live there um where we have uh, a project running with seaweed solutions. So we uh, actually harvested uh, some kelp, sugar kelp, 
from Moss, which is a bit uh, further out of the in the fjord, so the conditions and water conditions is a bit better. So we found some sugar kelp there and tried to uh, grow it in yeah in the inner Oslo fjord. And there was one uh, spore drope that was um, uh, yeah where the sugar kelp managed to grow. So we sent that to seaweed solutions, which is I don't know the word for it when uh, when you spore. Is that a word? When you spore yeah, plants? Yeah, I, I, I wonder if it's word. the same word. Yeah, when you make the yeah. plants make babies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's what yeah. Seaweed Solutions uh, did to this beautiful mother kelp uh, that managed to survive in the near Oslo fjord. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are uh, putting that back in the water uh, once the conditions are great for growth and hopefully be able to create some population with sugar kelp again. Because, I mean, yeah, the condition of the sugar... Like, sugar kelp is so important. It's filtrating the water. It's It creates habitat uh, for marine life. And, yeah, it's uh, it's an important species. It's vegetation. And there's not a lot of vegetation in the inner Oslo field, let me tell you. it's Yeah, it's quite dead. But uh, because of the all the particle pollution, makes it makes uh, the amount of sunlight that reaches yeah down in the water uh, is quite reduced so that reduces the ability for the sugar cup to grow as well so aside from actually picking the litter up and out of the water we also are working on projects to facilitate the regrowth and return of marine life Uh, i think that's uh, definitely important because we can't just keep taking out the trash and the trash keeps coming i mean the trash keeps coming faster than we're able to clean it out. So, yeah, we need more meshes. So, but um, uh, uh, I think that most most people who live near the coast and especially perhaps near the Oslo Fjord in Norway, that is, uh, we have all seen the really rapid degradation of the fjord and it's, it's dying, as you say. Uh, and we're kind of waking up to this, uh, this seriousness of the situation, but there's still kind of a lot of talk and talk and talk and not so much action. And do you see the same thing or do you feel that we are kind of moving in the right direction? <laughs> there's definitely too much talk and not enough action. Uh, I'd say, uh, I hope that we're moving in a better direction and that there is a greater emphasis and focus of the marine degradation. Uh, and I truly do believe so, but I also think that it's not happening fast enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people have known that the condition of the, yeah, the marine life uh, and the condition of also fuel, it has been declining uh, since at least the 80s, 90s, when they first started talking about it. And for sure, there's been measures after that with like reduced um, cloak. Yeah, the sewage. Sewage, yeah. Uh, better sewage systems and this and that. But it's it's not enough. And it's not, yeah, we need to yeah. cut all the stuff that's making it not able to thrive and make it, yeah, make yeah. it this this is very interesting actually because i'm at the moment i'm working with this project uh with the sewage system and the the 
the knowledge that I thought I had regarding what, how that looks, that was really uh, wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, all that, all the things that people put in the toilets, mm -hmm. like w w there's only three things going into the toilet, you know, uh, and I think that a lot of people don't know this and me included for a long time and uh, learning about how this clogs the drains and then overflows and actually runs directly into the fjord many times. That's quite shocking. So when you find like... So unfilled. Mm. Yes. Uh, that could be from the from the sewage system. That's, so that's actually, because I was really, I mean, there's been a couple of times where just in a small area in where we usually clean, I can find mm -hmm. like five tampons. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I've actually been curious about that. Yeah. Like, do people like go swimming and lose their tampon or do they try to like secretly and discreetly change it underwater no it's this is not making too much sense ah but that's uh oh wow yeah. wow and wet wipes and you know condoms yeah. and plastic and a lot of things coming from the drains yeah uh, and i mean that's that, a big it, issue that it's super sad and i mean that's a very common uh that's quite common knowledge about the inner oslo fjord like if it's been raining don't go swimming in the fjord because mm. then the sewage has been just running freely. And I mean, it's a couple of times a year where they actually go publicly out on the news saying that you should not really go swimming in the Oslo fjord right now because mm. there's been a huge sewage leakage and you might get sick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not very ah, nice. But I learned something new. That would actually be interesting yeah. in, um, in uh, looking more into Yes, I, I can tell you a lot more about it. I'm, uh, we're finishing like the, the first part of the project at the moment. So I can, I can share mm. with you. So I am uh, very, really very excited to hear Cause I mean, yeah. I mean, there's so so many things you can learn about. And I think truly think that knowledge is power. Yes. So it is. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, it seems to me like you have, you have quite a lot going on and both with your day job, as we talked about, and, everything else uh, and most of your projects are in in that category where you can do a lot of work and maybe not always see the clear results right away or you feel that you're pushing this really heavy boulder up a steep hill mm. do you feel that and um what what makes you then put in the extra drive uh if you feel you're working uphill all the time mm. cleaning cleaning <laughs> again <laughs> Well, I definitely, during my studies, I definitely felt quite demotivated sometimes and uh, wishing that I could just unknow a lot yeah. of the stuff I was learned because, yeah, it feels like a burden sometimes to learn about things and it's hard to be ignorant, which is a good thing, but it's uh, it can be quite depressing sometimes. Um, mm. and it's it's hard to see solutions um, and uh, I definitely do believe that environmental anxiety is a thing for sure yeah. uh, I've felt that um, and I think a lot of people do feel that um, and then I guess it's a matter of making that 
feeling of despair, fear. Yeah, making that into a constructive action mode. Yes. Do something. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it is, uh, it's our... I get frustrated when I think about the fact that we clean the same area every single week mm. and we still clean out trash. Like we can't make it clean enough. And then it's, this is like the smallest percentage of the entire ocean. Mm. Um, but then again, you see so many great projects that are working towards a cleaner and better environment uh, mm. and a lot of technolo uh, technology that's being invented to be able to remove all the litter that's ended up in our oceans. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, and then also not underestimating. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't believe that taking out that tampon or uh, finding that beer of that beer bottle or that chair is going to save the environment in and of itself, but it matters. It matters yeah. because it sends a signal. It matters because you can inspire others. And it matters because like, if everyone thought that if I just pick up this one thing today, mm. if everyone thought that, that would actually help. Yes. Uh, the argument usually sometimes run the opposite way is like, but why should I, like, it doesn't matter if I stop using a plastic straw because everyone else is using a plastic straw. So that one plastic straw that I'm using is like, ah, it doesn't really matter. Like it's not helping anything, but I mean, if, if everyone thinks like that, it, nothing's going to happen. So no. should think that, okay, if, I just stop using this plastic straw and yeah, if everyone else thinks the same or I can inspire mm. some people to think the same, like that will actually turn into something. Yeah. So yeah. do you, do you feel that you uh, manage to inspire people and draw more and more people in? And especially then I'm thinking, or I'm curious about your age group. Because I think you're the youngest I had on my podcast so far. <laughs> so, so are you, do you feel that you get your friends from other, other networks, other circles to join you and see what you're doing and get be inspired by it? Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. and it, and that's, that's the second point, like one, uh, of what keeps me wanting to do this and that keeps mm. me inspired and hopeful for a better future is the beautiful social togetherness in mm. the act of cleaning the ocean and all the different people you meet from yeah different age groups different backgrounds different jobs different um i guess reasons for participation uh, participating mm. in the cleanup uh, and yeah. i definitely we do get a lot of um we do get a lot of international students who are doing exchange years in uh, in norway which is awesome uh and then we get yeah people in their yeah 
family people like a mother mm. and a father and or a mother taking her son because she wants him to get introduced to this or yeah you just you, you have quite a great diversity uh, and uh, everyone is there for the same reason they want to do something good mm. and you are able to do it in a really nice environment where you also are able to try new activities whether it be free diving or mm. kayaking or sup and also the sauna afterwards it's uh, uh yeah it just it creates really nice good vibes and yeah. brings people uh quite diverse people but with one common interest uh together and it's uh it's quite beautiful to see yeah mm. that's really great to hear so but if there's like people listening to this uh, podcast mm. and this season being about action, mm. uh, I wanted to pull in guests uh, that are about action and you're definitely that. <laughs> so if there's, if there's one thing that you would like people to do after listening to this episode, what mm. would that be? Small or uh, large or easy or hard? <laughs> I think that there's uh... I mean, there are so many things uh, you can do. And I assume that a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are people who's already uh, quite interested in environmental agency uh, and uh, what one can do for the environment. And uh, I think, uh, <sighs> yeah, you can apply it to so many levels, uh, but uh, I think that just decide that next time you go from A to B and every time you go from A to B after that, mm. just look down on the ground. Instead of looking at your phone, just look down on the ground around you. And I'm sure you'll be able to find something that should have been disposed of and in the trash can rather than mm. on the ground. And uh, doing that every time you go from A to B or once a day or once a week or yeah just actively paying attention to trying to do it um mm. will actually sum up to quite big amounts in the end and uh also uh just a signal it sends to people who might be passing you who might yeah. see you bending yes. down picking up that piece of trash and putting it in yeah. the box litter uh instead i mean it's a uh, might inspire someone else to do something similar uh, and uh, all together it do actually does add up I know I've been like uh, talking about um, yeah you sh I mean if you um, uh, like picking up the trash from the ocean yeah it's like a piece of nothing in the like the big wild ocean uh, but it adds up to quite a bit uh, in the end. And I don't remember the exact number that we're currently at for what we collected of trash in two 2021, but I'll ask Thomas quickly. In total of 2021, through the weekly cleanups, we've uh, collected 6,000 kilograms of rubbish from the ocean. Uh, so... A piece here and a piece there and what's like, yeah. okay, a handful here and a handful there. I mean, it really does add up to quite yes. large numbers in the end. Yes, so that's a lot. It, it is a lot. Yeah. And I mean, the, the amounts are are tremendous. I mean, one of the reasons we're not able to pick more is that whenever we pick up one thing from the ocean floor, it just creates this whirlwind of 
dust and smog, so oh, yeah. we can't really see anything after that because water visibility is not so great here in Norway. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it totals up to quite a bit of trash, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's all volunteers going out there and picking it. So mm. start picking yourself, and who mm. knows what it will turn into? Maybe you get a group of friends who wants mm. to do it on like a plugging basis or yeah yes. <laughs> i used to do or still do actually plugging so, yeah uh, that's a great thing as well it's you amazing always bring this bag when you're running or walking or yeah. doing yeah hmm. great so if you if you were the like the movie director of the film 2030 <laughs> what Ooh. ideally how would that stage be like uh how are we living and what are we doing and what did we do to get there and how did you contribute perhaps big question <laughs> um and oof, i mean i always struggle like to uh differ between like okay what's what's the wishful like utopian scenario that I do wish for and what is realistic but uh, the utopia is that we don't produce single-use waste wrapping like everything that is produced can be reused mm. uh, that's a big one because uh, that would I think that would cut down a lot of carbon emissions in uh, waste uh, in general. And mm. I mean, use natural, I mean, well, then you can go into the discussion, what is really a natural material? Because I mean, we're here, it's it's natural. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. use um, biodegradable uh, materials mm. in that sense. I mean, plastic is not very biodegradable. Yeah, it turns into smaller particles, but it just keeps getting smaller and smaller until you can't really mm. see it but it's still there it doesn't degrade and become a different matter it's mm. it's still plastic yeah. um, so uh, I, I truly do wish I mean we have the EU ban now on single use utensils with plastic which is great but there's like we need so much more I just want single use plastics in general to just be gone <laughs> yeah we managed hopefully. to live without plastic before it was invented so i hope we can draw some inspiration and add some technology into that and uh yeah be able to say goodbye to plastics mm. uh and uh i i hope that pff, how are we going to get there though i mean there's so many Caring for the environment is so many things. You can be vegan and that's a major contribution to mm. the environment. Uh, so in that sense, yeah, definitely on a global and international and national scale, cut meat consumption. Meat consumption mm. is really uh, driving a lot of the carbon emissions and environmental degradation that we're seeing and it's probably not that healthy for us either to eat no. the amount of meat that we eat today so uh yeah less meat um uh, i am hoping for technological inventions because i truly mm. uh, i think it would be optimistic to believe that the 
social common action to change our way of living that's that I mean even if it would happen it wouldn't happen enough and fast enough to be able to uh, change the course uh, by the time we need it to change so uh, but I think that it's still really important to try to uh, try and we can't rely on the technological inventions but I truly hope that we can push some really awesome cool technological inventions that mm. is gonna be able to differentiate between organic matter and marine litter and just detect it and pick it up yeah. and recycle it in the perfect recycling system uh for example uh i mean uh, carbon storage is uh is something if i feel like that's yeah. uh maybe a bit of a like band-aid because like storage yeah and there's there's some risk Risks attached we might to need it, that as well. Everything, I think. I think we <laughs> need a bit of everything, definitely. Yeah, uh, everything. yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I'm I'm hoping to see very to see some strong institutional changes because uh, mm. I think it's a bit sad how it's very individually focused. A lot of the yes. environmental action, and I mean, there's a lot of I mean, people feel environmental anxiety and. Uh, mm. A lot of the people who really care, they go out of their way to care. But I hope we're able to create a community uh, where that's the default, that it's easy to care. It's easy to make the right choices. It's economically uh, sensible to make the good environmental choices. And yeah, that it, it needs to be implemented on all scales. Yes. Absolutely. Social and technological, individual and institutional, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Good answer. So, <laughs> Good question. <laughs> so, so you you are of course my guest because I want my guests or my listeners to be inspired uh, and do something after this episode. And one of those things could be to to get in touch with you or to join one of your cleanups or. Something else, if somebody feels inspired and want to pitch an idea or something, how could they reach you? What's the best way to contact you? Ah, um, I mean, Fjord Cleanup, which is the name of the organization, has an Instagram and a Facebook page and also a web page. Uh, so obviously there is, I mean, you can DM on Instagram, you can message mm. on Facebook or find the email on the web page. And I mean, uh, I'd love to hear from anyone who's had, uh, yeah, with passion uh, for the environment. Uh, and uh, you might reach me, you might reach someone else in the organization. But uh, mm. yeah, it, my my personal uh Email is also in, on the web page if you want to get in touch yeah, with me I will directly. Share, share everything on the mm. on the show notes so uh, <laughs> oh, that's cool. so people cool. can find it. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, if someone wants to, if they're interested in joining in participation and happen to live in Oslo or somewhere near Oslo in Norway, 
you're very, very, very most welcome. I mean, it's it's a social event uh, for anyone to join, um, which is great. And if you want to join but do not live in Oslo, I mean, you can still get in touch and maybe mm. see how you can set up something similar wherever you live. I'm sure, I'm sure it's needed. So yes, yeah, get definitely. in touch either way if there is you feel like there's something you. Yeah. Yes, and I have really strong hopes that uh, the the fjord cleanup will also come to Tønsberg, mm-hmm. my my hometown. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean uh, that's actually not too far fetched. So no, I, I, I think so. I also hope that's gonna that definitely is uh, gonna happen because uh, it, yeah. it, it would be great. And yeah, Tønsberg is a beautiful, beautiful place with a lot of coast. And a lot and of waterfronts. things in the sea here as well. So, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Perfect. So, so thank you very much, uh, Anushka. It was uh, just as good this time as last time. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you very much for taking the time. Of course. And uh, thank you for being inviting. Uh, invited. Uh, it's uh, it's really it's a beautiful acknowledgement, and it's uh, I hope we can spread some good words together. Yes, I'm sure we can. And good luck with everything that you work on. Thank you so much. <laughs> Likewise. And that's a wrap. People like Anushka really gives me hope for the future. And what I especially like with the way that Fjord Cleanup is working is how they combine fun and t- togetherness with an activity which makes a huge impact. As I mentioned, I'm very hopeful that we will see Fjord cleanup in my own hometown as well. But if you live far away from the Oslo area or Norway, uh, don't let that stop you. Start something similar perhaps. I'm sure the people in Fjord cleanup would be happy to give you some pointers on the way. I will, as always, put all the links and resources in the show notes. And also, as always, please get in touch if there's something in this episode you would like to know more about, if there's something you have an idea about, or anything else that's on your mind. And with that, I will actually wish you all a happy holiday. I will take a break, and the next time we will meet, it will be 2022. So in the meantime, take care. Stay healthy and stay tuned. Talk to you soon.